1: Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.
2: Welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Rapine. A lot, lot to get to, including... Recapping the NFL draft with Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. I'm on Twitter at James Rpine at Locked On Bengals. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and as always, every podcast, lockedonbengals.com. It's posted there as is thoughts, highlights, um, grades, if you want grades for all 11 Bengals draft picks. I wrote about all 11 guys yesterday. There's about 2,200 words there for you. And. There's a bunch of highlights as well of the the top guys, players that you'll want to see, know, maybe not know. Um, and for more on the draft, let's get into it with Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. He's on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Joe, I appreciate the time, as always. Uh, by the way, your board was pretty much right. How do you feel?
0: You know what? Um... It still changes, though. You know, it's it's funny because I I submit the board, and I feel confident about it, and then you learn things 24 hours into, you know, just before the draft, and you go, huh, you know, are they going to take Price over Daniels? Are they going to do this or that at tackle? Do they feel comfortable at linebacker? But for the most part, you know, coming away from it, putting the work in, listening to as much as you can. It's funny how it all works out at the end. Yeah,
2: like like to me, I thought it was in this order, and I could have been wrong with the top two, but I had a, I had McGlinchey, uh, Derwin James, then I had both centers, and I, I texted a few friends like, "This is what I think it is. We'll see if it if it plays out that way." And it played out that exact way. And it's uh, I know we talked Friday about Billy Price. Have, have your thoughts changed at all about Billy Price and? and <laughs>
0: No, I wouldn't say they changed. I, I still feel confident in the evaluation. And, you know, people, it was weird because um there's a lot of fans that were upset at the pick. And a lot of them tagged me on Twitter like, oh, well, I'm listening to Joe Goodberry on this one. And I'm like, whoa, hang on, guys. I, I may have made it sound like he's a bad player, but that was only in an effort to express how I think he's the third best center in a very good center class. I still thought Price was really good, and I tried to say that every time. I think Price is really good. I just think those other two guys could have higher upside and could be better centers in a couple of years. They never got the chance to get Ragnow. I think they would have picked Ragnow had they had a chance. They didn't get that chance. They were happy with Price. Daniels in two years could potentially be better than Price, and the Bengals didn't want that. They wanted the guy that was an easy transition, plug and play starter that that had the personality type they wanted, and that's perfectly fine. Um, I when I graded the draft for them, I graded this value at on the low end because I think the elite centers go. From 20 to 32 in the first round, they never really go higher, so the Bengals took a guy that was currently injured that maybe had the least amount of upside of the top three guys at the most utmost value, or if you look at the other way, at the least value possible that you can take at center. So that's really the only knock. they got a plug-and-play starter and a guy you should not have to worry about at center for the next five years at least.
2: He's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. My biggest takeaway from what they did, not just in round one, but it, it certainly applies to Billy Price, but the Jesse Bates pick, the the, Malice, the Malik Jefferson pick, the, the Sam Hubbard pick, all of these guys are players that I think can help them right away. I think Hubbard can play and help them in the pass rush on defense right away. I think Bates is going to play right away. He might not start because you have two safeties under contract, but he's going to give them what they've been wanting in that center fielder. I, I think it was very much a win-now draft for the Bengals. Not necessarily a flashy one, not a a bunch of stars or people that are or players that are going to stand out to the casual NFL fan or college, uh, casual college football fan, but guys that can con- uh, come in and tribute right away.
0: You know, when they're really good from 11 to 15, uh they had not only one of the most talented rosters and coaching staffs in the league they had depth they had a lot of role players that were very good a lot of role players that went to other teams and had successful careers after the Bengals. i think they lost a lot of depth they missed out a couple of draft classes in that time and since then and it really made them the team they were the last two years which is a, a poor team with without the depth that they had when they were when they had their run um I think this is the draft to try and build that depth back up. And sometimes that means you're taking your third safety or your fourth defensive end or your fifth linebacker. But you know what? All those guys could and should play a role early in their careers. And then I think all three guys have potential to be better than what they're currently putting out there. And that means Bates uh, at free safety helps strong safety because now you're not miscasting Iloka and Sean Williams. Bates may help linebacker because him being a free safety may put give the Bengals an opportunity to put one of those other safeties in the linebacker role, the way the Patriots and Eagles do. I was just watching that game today because teams are going to that big nickel look, and having three safeties is a way to help your coverage unit. Um, and then on the, uh, Sam Hubbard could replace Michael Johnson, if not this year, which I don't know if he will this year, but in a year. And with Carlos Dunlap being a, on his last year of his deal, does Sam Hubbard work as that big end, where Willis and Lawson are your smaller ends, and the rotation continues from there? I think Billy Jefferson is high upside, Athletic, easily their most athletic linebacker on the team. Um, I'm not sure if he's ready for a nickel role right now because at Texas he really wasn't asked to play coverage much. He pretty much spied the quarterback, played almost like a nose tackle role because uh, they went with three defensive linemen, and he was the fourth guy either blitzed or spied the QB really didn't have to go into coverage too much, so he's going to need work there, I'm assuming, unless he could do it and they just didn't ask him. That's always a possibility. Uh, so I don't know where Jefferson's role is right now, but he gets them faster, he gets them more athletic, and the way they got killed at linebacker last year with injuries, um, he could play. So uh, those, those four picks build your depth, get you faster, they help your special teams right away, which, which is quality. But um, you know, overall, it probably keeps this team being at least competitive for the next couple years.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that you're you're getting a a guy, and to me, it it stood out because, like, the Hubbard pick. People here are excited about it because he played for Ohio State. He went to school at Moeller, which is right down the road from our studios here uh, in Kenwood in Cincinnati. And it's like, local kid, and I I like that, that, and and people like that end of it. I also think he comes from Ohio State. He seems pretty seasoned. I I spoke with him. I'll, I'll play that interview later in the podcast. But... They're getting guys that are ready to go now, at least contribute in some sort of facet. And it can't be all eleven guys, but like five to six guys. Like if you told me that Giovanni Bernard goes down for four games with a hamstring issue, couldn't Mark Walton be Gio for a couple games this year? I think so. He contributed on special teams in Miami. That's what I mean. I, I don't know if they got the highest upside guys. It's almost like Billy Price is the perfect start to this draft. Because I don't think they hit a home run. I don't think a lot of these guys are going to be pro bowlers. I don't know if Jesse Bates will ever be a pro bowler. But I think he helps them now, and he gives them a, a solid player for the next, you know, five, six years, or at least they hope so.
0: But, you know, um, I would agree that Price is really the epitome of the entire draft. They went with exactly what they don't have, if you know what I mean. Like, they didn't have a quality center for the last two years. they last ten years. And they said, you know what, enough of that. We're getting a quality center. They haven't had a cover deep free safety with ball skills in a long time. I mean, even Reggie Nelson wasn't that type of guy. Uh, Now they do. They needed an athletic linebacker forever. You know what they got? They got an athletic linebacker. They needed a big defensive end, someone that can kick inside. I've been saying this for three years. They really haven't done it. Even though they needed two speed edge guys last year, they got those. I still said this year they need to get a big guy. They need to get a big guy to go with them. And that was Sam Hubbard. So. While, yes, I do think it was a safe draft, it was a draft where they finally said, okay, enough of these big run-stuffing linebackers, even though I think Jefferson is better against the run than he is against the past, but his potential in the athleticism is what they didn't have. The free safety ability is what they didn't have. The The big end right now, they didn't have that. The guy, the guy to kick inside and take over for the guys they do have. Um, the center prospect, finally, you you valued center enough to take it in the first round and actually invest something higher than a fourth-round pick on it. So, for me, that is the that's the the positive points of looking at it. Of even though they went safe, it was also out of the normal what they what they usually do.
2: He's Joe Goodberry of the Athletic. Joe, I just want to get your thoughts. We obviously have talked about Billy Price plenty. Can we get your thoughts on on each pick? Can we go in order? Is that something you want yeah. to do? Cool. Yeah, let's do it. Let, let, let's start with Jesse Bates the third. He he comes out of Wake Forest. Uh, it seemed like safety. Fell. I mean, safeties fell a lot. I mean, we talked about Justin Reed a lot here. I thought that that was the guy that was in play at 54. It turns out it wasn't. They get their guy in Jesse Bates the third. What do you see on film when you watch him and compare him to Reed? How close was he in your rankings to Reed?
0: I'll first start with Reed. Um, I thought Reed was a first-round type of prospect. Uh, size, speed, uh, athleticism, versatility. Um, and coming from a smart program like Stanford, you know, he's ready to play right away. I don't know what happened. I don't know why he fell to the third round to the Texans, I believe. Um, who knows? The sinistry to me makes me want to believe it has something to do with his brother. Why is his brother still not signed? I don't know. But, you know, so he fell. And some people. Predicted that, and I wonder if that was that played some of the two. And when you think about safeties falling a little, they, there's a lot of good guys that haven't been signed in free agency, a Trey Boston or a Kenny Vaccaro. For whatever reason, the safety valuation has gone down in the NFL, even though a lot of teams don't have even two good good players. So for me, um, I thought in terms of how free safeties go, and if you want an athletic guy, Jesse Bates is easily probably the next one. Um, even though Ronnie Harrison was talked about a lot as the second-round target. Uh, he didn't do all the testing drills and didn't do them very well either. I think uh, sometimes with those Alabama guys, you're seeing them at their max. Alabama players are hard to evaluate for me, and I think a lot of people feel the same way, because they look so good on tape, but they're coached so well. You may actually get them in a worse coaching staff in the, in the NFL, as crazy as that sounds, for to where they're not as prepared, and they actually play worse. And I think that happens to a lot of Alabama prospects. Um I wonder if family prospects are just falling back a little bit with NFL teams and that's why Harrison fell a little. But for Bates, he tested well. He's got decent enough size. He's a little bit thin. Um But you know what he he can gain probably 10 pounds five pounds of muscle upper body to help his strength because he misses tackles at times um he's willing he'll run up in in the alley when it's his responsibility to get to meet that running back uh he just doesn't have the size and power to do it he's a free safety all the way and that's okay because the Bengals need that he's got range he's got ball skills athleticism um there's a few plays where you see him and the way he just tracks the ball jumps up one arm knocks it away it's really what the Bengals don't have on, on their back half of, uh, for safety play. So for me, I like Bates a lot. Um, I think trading back and then allowing you to trade up in the, in the third round and part of that trade back from a 100 to 78 is getting more value for Bates because uh, it allowed you to get Jefferson in the third round. So for me, I really like that pick. I think that was probably my favorite pick of day two, um, even though I really liked Hubbard too.
2: Yeah, and, and I, I want to get to Hubbard as well, but you mentioned trading back, and it's your favorite pick, so that's fair. Knowing, though, what you know now, in that the Bengals, they take an offensive lineman in round one, wait until round seven to get another, it's clear they didn't like the tackles in this class. They weren't really sold on anyone at least enough to invest in a pick or trade up to get a guy that was there at 46, Connor Williams. Is yeah. that is that something we're going to look back on in a couple years or even next year in, in – look back and say man if they had just gotten Connor Williams at 46 and didn't get cute and get their safety especially since safeties fell then maybe the offensive line would have had more success
0: yeah um Connor Williams is interesting a lot of people said he was probably a guard and not a tackle and when Paul Alexander and the Cowboys drafted him and they pretty much say he's our left guard i was like yeah he's going to be he's going to be a good player for them i mean they, they they they're stacked with offensive line talent in Dallas and in comparison to the Bengals It means the Bengals must have been really comfortable with their guards Uh, because, I mean, I think that is a a second-round pick for a guard is a premium pick. Williams probably walks in, starts at right guard, and you're good on four out of five positions. I I, I find that very hard to pass up, especially considering what safeties were available in the third round. That's hindsight, Um, but at the same time, you you do get graded on hindsight sometimes when we're talking NFL draft and and playing the prospects and knowing where they should go and, and where their value is. So for me, I think we could look at that one. I, I said it a while though, and throughout this process, I didn't think the Bengals wanted to go back-to-back offensive line. I do think they wanted to to hit safety and defensive end early and linebacker if they could. Um, for whatever reason, they didn't want to go back-to-back O line, and 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 the draft really didn't lend them to do that. So uh, I do think that's probably the one we'll look at.
2: Joe, it, yeah, it's. That's the one thing. That's the one thing that that concerned, I think, the majority of Bengals fans was the offensive line. I also think, and I do want to ask you this, and then we'll get to Sam Hubbard and the rest of the picks, is a guy like Frank Pollock, new offensive line coach, can he have that big of a difference? Because I'm hearing out of Paul Brown's stadium philosophy is going to be different. They're going to attack. It's going to change things. Do you buy that, and should fans buy it?
0: It's probably the biggest thing I buy this offseason is the difference between Pollock and Alexander. Um, the things I heard about Alexander last year and literally the last couple of years, and, um, you know, I think we've talked about it on previous podcasts. So I'm not going to go over it because I don't remember the stories as well as I do now because I heard them four <laughs> or five months ago. But um,
2: Yeah, yeah, I got
0: you. Uh, you know, so I think Pollock, what he brings is he's not, and this is what I was told from Cowboys guys, is that he's not a technician coach, but he'll get the guys to be assignment correct. Cohesion between them, which is very important with the offensive line, and, you know they'll work together better as a unit, and that just that's just on the surface. Uh, they're also going to run more zone blocking stuff, and that's why I thought Daniels and and, and now made more sense than Price. I think Price in a zone blocking scheme is a much worse guy than a, than a Price in a man gap scheme. So, um, so I, you know that pick from that part confused me a little because if you look at Dallas's offense, they ran zone. On running plays, seventy percent, seventy-seven percent of their runs were zone runs. So if Pollock's bringing that, and I expect it, um, it's going to be a bit of a transition even for Price. So it'll be interesting to see how the Bengals mitigate that and, and keep him from getting exposed too often. But I do believe they'll work together better. If you go back and watch, I was watching uh, Jake Fisher, Redmond, and Westerman uh, just to see what they had, you know, to, to get a value on them and. There were so many times the offensive line was just disjointed and, and not working together and really not knowing what the guy next to him was doing. The timing was off. The splits were off. They just, that stuff is very important for offensive line quality, and they just didn't have it. I think at the very least, they'll get that, and it should allow better or worse players or better players at center and, and left tackle this year to play better than they probably should be, and that's important.
1: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: Joe, let's get into Sam Hubbard, and it's a pick that uh, everyone that I've heard from at least liked to a certain degree, but I'm here locally. Obviously, people here see him. He played high uh, high school football here, won a state championship, won a national championship at Ohio State. What does he do well? What does he not do well? How much do you like the Bengals getting Sam Hubbard with pick 77?
0: I like it with... Getting him at pick seventy seven, I mocked him at forty six to for the Bengals yeah. in my final mock. Um, I, he was someone I, I figured they liked. He thought they liked him too. Uh, he said a couple days before the draft. Uh, oh, excuse me. Uh, this is what he, this is what he brings. You, you've got Willis and Lawson, shorter guys, quicker edge rushing guys. What you're getting with Hubbard is a six foot five, two hundred seventy pound guy that easily could add another ten pounds, maybe even fifteen to his frame. Um, he was in a rotation at Ohio State. They did, he played left and right side. He also kicked inside and rushed. They did a lot of um, stunts in, in games up front. He's got a lot of experience that way. Uh, the production was hit or miss at times for Hubbard, and I, I think that's, you know, or else you're probably a first-round pick, obviously. You're a third-rounder, and so that's that's what you get. But the agility and athleticism scores were top-notch. Put him in elite category. His three-cone puts them where... If you look at the best pass rushers in the league, the guys who produce the most, their three-cone number is very, very important, and Hubbard is in that group. So it'll be interesting to see if he can unlock that a little bit more, a little bit more technique, a little bit better footwork, a little bit better hand usage. He's very, very good against the run already, so I think he can contribute there. I think he's got a lot of potential kicking inside and and taking advantage of of interior offensive linemen and their stiffness. So for me, I, I like Hubbard a lot. Him and Bates easily my, two of my favorite picks. If not, you know, as a whole in considering value, because I thought you got Hubbard in, in the third round is, is really good value. Those are two of my favorite picks in this entire draft.
2: And am I crazy to think that he can come in now, play, limit what Michael Johnson does to an even greater extent? Because that that's how I look at it. I know Carlos Dunlap's in a contract year, but they want to keep Carlos Dunlap. Michael Johnson now. I think he's in the final year of his deal as well. That's a guy, yeah. obviously, on his last legs. You would want to get someone in there to replace him and, and maybe even be an upgrade. Can he do that outside and inside? You think right away?
0: He's at the very least, he's Chris Smith, and uh, that was a key guy they lost last year yeah. who who really helped them. Um, Chris Smith played 450 snaps. Two hundred of them at end, two hundred and fifty of them at defensive tackle. I think that's very much what Sam Hubbard probably is as a rookie and uh and that means Michael Johnson still plays, but I think they still want to play him some you know, give him four four hundred snaps of snow or so forty percent of the uh of the total defense and that makes sense I'm fine with that if it's a if it's an honest rotation so um, for me, Hubbard is still going to play. I think Chris Smith's role is exactly what I see for him uh, uh, this year. Now, I do wonder how much more Jordan Willis is going to play this year. I would expect him. I would expect him to play a little bit more. So uh, the rotation will be interesting. I think you can give Dunlap a little less snaps. You give Michael Johnson a little bit less snaps, and really uh, have a full deep rotation the way they used to when they had a really good defense. And I, you know that's just going to make the entire defense better. So I, I do think there's a role as a rookie.
2: And speaking of, of roles uh, as a rookie, Malik Jefferson, a guy who tested insane. You could check it out at LockedOnBengals.com, just uh, his numbers there. If you had to guess what his role would be, because obviously he could probably help on special teams right away, but we've seen plenty of linebackers come in and help on special teams. Based on the film, and, and I've heard his production wasn't there at Texas compared to what some of the other linebackers, but that's why you're getting him in round three How do you think he helps right away, and can you see him having more of an impact than some of the other rookies they've taken in the mid-rounds the past years at the linebacker position?
0: Yeah, I do wonder about that, because you go back to Paul Dawson, and he barely played. Um, Nick Vigil barely played, I think, 100 snaps as a rookie, and it wasn't until the end of the year. I wouldn't be surprised if Jefferson's in that position unless we see a rash of injuries uh, again, and that's mostly because I think the team still does like Nick Vigil. I think they still like Jordan Evans, and Vincent Ray still on the team and can play every position, so I would say that they probably see him as more game ready than Jefferson early on, you know, unless Jefferson comes in and lights it on fire instantly, which is possible. Um the thing is Perfect is suspended those first four weeks. And when I look at their weak side linebacker depth, it probably is Vinny Ray behind him. I see Evans more of an inside and, and Sam. I see Vigil more as an inside and Sam. I think Jefferson is more of an inside and weak side. So if you want it for the first four weeks, it would mean he needs to get ready really quickly, but I think he could help those first four weeks in more of a chase and, and, and tackle role from the week's side linebacker spot. He probably doesn't play in your nickel. Like I said earlier, just because he didn't do it at Texas. I wonder if he can, if they just didn't ask him to, and if he can pick it up quickly, if he can, he's obviously going to be an asset. If he can pick up the coverage responsibilities. Um, the thing is, Preston Brown, one-year deal, Uh, perfect. You always feel like you don't know what his history and what his future is because now they don't owe him any guaranteed money either because of the suspension. Could they move on from him? Uh, I think if Jefferson shows development as a rookie, shows and he can play a little bit, if it's not just special teams, maybe he can get a few games here or there. Uh, I think out of the top four picks, he's probably the least likely to have a big role as a rookie. But maybe in year two, he's your middle linebacker. Maybe in year two, he's one of your nickel linebackers.
2: Yeah, it would certainly be interesting. Hopefully he reaches his potential because here's my, the, the other concern, and then we'll do some quick ones on, on the rest of the guys. But I wonder if, let's say Burfitt continues to have these issues, the offensive line doesn't improve as much as we think it could in 2018. We could be talking about the same things next year during the draft. Offensive line, linebacker.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's been that way for two years now, right? Yep. It's kind of funny. I said that, um, you know, we hope Jake Fisher takes the next step. We hope it's Christian Westerman or Alex Redman, whoever it is, at right guard is is the answer. But it's very possible. We're sitting here in, in, in April 2019 and saying, yeah, they need a guard and a tackle again, or they need to get a cover linebacker again, or whatever crops up at that time. Maybe it's receiver because John Ross doesn't play. Maybe it's Tyler Rifer because he's still injured. So there are still a lot of question marks on this team.
2: Yeah, there are. There are. And one of them isn't third running back. Uh, Mark Walton, the running back out of Miami, picked with 112th pick. Uh, and Joe Goodberry of The Athletic joining us. What did you see on film from Mark Walton? The Bengals were really excited. Dave Lapham said he was much higher on their draft board. Is that a guy? I liked it from this aspect. Cedric Pierman, obviously a guy they've brought in and kept around for special teams for so long. Walton played special teams at Miami, he can do the same in the NFL, I think that's what they're assuming, and, well, he's better and can actually run the football slash catch it out of the backfield. So I think you upgrade there. It's also a premium pick, fourth rounder. I think a lot of fans were expecting offensive linemen. Uh, What do you like, what do you not like about Walton?
0: Yeah, your last point, it is a premium pick. Um, Not only because fourth round is still solid, uh, you know, in terms of NFL draft capital, it's running back, and really a lot of teams don't even draft running backs in the first two rounds, third and fourth round is where you find a lot of quality starting and contributing running backs. So, um, he had to have been high on the board. He had probably had to be like a second rounder on the board in order to spend a, a fourth on him for, for their third back. Um, having said that, his tape is really good. He, he's a very effective back. He, he's in the mold and, and build of, of a Giovanni Bernard at five ten, two hundred five. 205. Um, but he's got some long speed, build-up speed. He breaks off a lot of long runs. Uh, he's elusive and shifty. The tape is good, and he plays special teams. Having said that, with an injury this past year, he had ankle surgery in November. Um, it may have affected his testing at the Combine, but his testing was poor. It was a below average for, for a running back, a finesse athlete running back. He, it, it's hard to justify that. Um, it puts him in, in, in a risk category, having that testing and the injury, which – I don't think the Bengals could afford in the fourth round when you have so many other holes so for me it affected my evaluation of the entire pick even though i like the player the Bengals haven't been able to even effectively use their top two running backs for what the, the last five years they really haven't figured out a good mix of the two how each two interact and what scheme they should be in uh, they couldn't evaluate that Rex Burkhead was better than Jeremy Hill. If we're talking now, you want to value the third running back? It's it's kind of hard for me to swallow that.
2: Yeah, I've seen Pro Football Focus. A couple of them were were fans of the pick. They said there it reminds them uh, reminds them of Dion Lewis. Is that fair? Is that crazy?
0: No, that's not. That's whenever you're taking a third down type of back. Uh, and, I mean, a, you know, a smaller, shiftier guy that can pass catch, a Giovanni Bernard, a Deion Lewis, a, a James White, even for the a Rex Burkett. I mean, those type of guys, we're talking all, all Patriots. This is what they value, um, plus Gio. But uh, when you want those guys, they normally don't go very high. And I've seen some people say, well, Walton could have been a first-round pick and he stayed healthy. When you're 5'10", 205, you don't go in the first round. When, you're poor as te- when you test as poor as you do, you don't go in the first round. So I think at the maximum... He was a third rounder, even with health, even even healthy. But that doesn't mean I don't like him. And I do. And I do think he could be a very solid contributor. Um, I just think it was an odd pick.
2: Yeah, I get it. The timing of it felt weird uh, from the start. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic is joining us here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. Joe, let's dive into uh, the fifth round. In the fifth round, the Bengals had three picks. And the first of which was a guy I'm not going to act like I know about. I've tried to read up a, a bunch on him. I know he's pretty fast. Uh, Devontae Harris, cornerback from Illinois State, what does he bring to the Bengals?
0: Yeah, there's only a couple of videos I could get my hands on and watch uh, that are even out there in the Internet. So um, very limited tape for, for that point. Talk to whoever I could, read whatever I could on that. But um, what, to me, what he looked like, and they listed him as a DB, which he played corner. Um, but I, I, you got to pay attention to how teams list, guys, because even like the next uh, couple picks later, Darius Phillips, played wide receiver before, or if a guy played tackle and a team calls him a guard, uh, I think it gives you a little insight to how to use him. And calling him a DB, I think he looks like a safety, uh, and probably his skills translate a little bit better to a slot corner. Uh, And so for me, I think, obviously, if you're going to take a guy from a small school and you're going to take him in the fifth round, usually those small school corners, the, the good ones, not the really elite ones, but the good ones go in that day three, top of day three, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round range, uh, so taking one in the fifth round means you really like Harris. So for the Bengals, I think he could be a developmental guy that they play as a slot corner and special teams guy. Uh, he looks good in zone. He's physical. He's strong. um four four three in the forty. So put up 22 reps uh, in the bench press. I, th- I think he's a developmental guy that maybe takes over for Darkwoods Denard. And you got Shaw that's also a uh, uh, coming up at the end of his contract. So this, it could be Harris in a year or two. That's your nickel corner.
2: And then uh, a pick you really like, you mentioned to me, Andrew Brown, the defensive tackle from Virginia. The Bengals make this pick, take Brown, just seven picks after Harris. What do you like about Brown? What does he bring, and uh, what do you question?
0: It was also a need. Um, defensive tackle was a need. And if we listen to what we've said – we weren't sure it was nose tackle because Billings is still young. Ryan Glasgow showed, I think, enough as a rookie to to keep him in the rotation. You signed Chris Baker uh, from the Bucks, who was a who was a good nose tackle and, and and defensive tackle for the Redskins. So you kind of say, okay, they may want a defensive tackle on nose tackle because they didn't get good production from it last year. But they really need a three tech, an athletic guy behind the Geno Atkins because the last couple of years when they take Atkins off the field. It's a, It affects the entire defense, I and mean, it should because he's an elite player. But losing that athleticism, replacing him with Pat Sims or with Ryan Glasgow, wasn't getting it done. Your free tech needs to be able to move. He needs to have some upfield explosion. You've got to be able to penetrate to really affect zone plays. That's what Andrew Brown is. He had 6'3", 295, 296 pounds. He played defensive end. Now, this pick is a lot like Marcus Hardison a couple of years ago. Hardison didn't work out. But Brown played defensive end uh, in, in Kicked inside and rushed from inside at Virginia and at the senior bowl is really when he jumped on everyone's radar because he was a full-time defensive tackle then and he gave people a lot of troubles Will Hernandez he beat up Will Hernandez a lot now Hernandez is a uh, power guy obviously but Brown's quickness and speed and agility and the inside was a lot for Will Hernandez to handle and that makes sense but it showed that Brown might might could possibly go in the top Second round, third round range, and his name kind of cooled off. Even though he had a really good combine performance and put him in the elite category for defensive tackles, um, it means he's got upside. And they really didn't have a three tech behind Geno Atkins. Brown could be active on game days. He could it could put Brian Glasgow and Andrew Billings. Billings spent a lot of time inactive last year. It could put Billings on the inactive list again because you really don't have a backup three tech if they're going to keep all five defensive tackles. You'd like to have a backup nose and a backup 3 tech, and I think right now, as he shows well in camp and as a rookie, um, Brown's that guy.
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting. I I think so. So far, it sounds like I, they got a pretty good pick, and you're pretty high on this pick in round five.
0: It's my favorite pick of the Fair? entire draft for them
2: of the entire draft.
0: Yeah, it's that's because it's where you got the most value. He also addressed the need, and he's got high upside. So um, for me, yeah, I graded as a B-plus out of all their picks. I think some other guys, Hubbard and Bates, were solid Bs. Um, For me, Andrew Brown was a B-plus. Look at you.
2: All right, all right, let's get to the next one. Uh, See, maybe I was grading on a curve. I might have been grading on a curve here. Uh, let's Let's go with Darius Phillips, the cornerback from Western Michigan. They took in round five, their final pick of the fifth round. I like him. Well, because the numbers say he's a big-time playmaker. He had five touchdown yeah. returns. Um, he had a, a punt return for a touchdown, five more interceptions returned for a touchdown. My math says – my quick math says that's 11 touchdowns. That's something the Twelve. Bengals need. It, he has 12. Did I miss one?
0: He had 14 total because he had two as a receiver. Five, six uh,
2: – good. Guy. He had All right, so he's a freak, and he scores a lot of touchdowns. He had 12 interceptions too. Um, not a freak athlete looking at his testing numbers. But uh, what does he show on film because clearly he can put up touchdowns?
0: You know what the equalizer for defensive backs is and why I harp on it all the time? If you're just an average athlete, in which that's what he tested as, maybe slightly below average, um, ball skills. It it helps you recover faster. It It keeps you from panicking. It allows you to get to the catch point. It allows you to track the ball and get there before the receiver does. Ball skills is the equalizer for guys that are just average athletes for the Richard Shermans and then Josh Normans. Uh, you don't have to have that top-end speed because you track the ball better than the next guy. And for me, that's what Phillips does. Former receiver, you watch his, his highlights or, or some of the tapes you can get your hand on, he crushed Michigan State twice. I mean, kick returns, punt returns, interceptions, forced fumbles that he returned for, uh, for a touchdown. Ohio State, 100-yard kick return. He's not the biggest guy, and I think he's like 5'10", 193, uh, ran a five at the Combine. Average numbers, really. Uh, but he, he looks faster than that. You see him pull away from big-time programs, USC. He pulls away from those guys on that kick return. He had two interceptions against Ohio State two years ago. So, you look at it, and he didn't shy away from from big time games versus big programs, and the production there—it's nutty production to have 14 touchdowns as a corner and get your ball, get your hands on 12 balls uh, for for interceptions. Yeah, there's potential there. I, I think he could be their kick returner right away. I mean, I don't see why Alex Erickson has to hold that job, especially if they only stay with six receivers this year. Um, Phillips could be the guy that really has a big impact as a rookie.
2: Yeah, I like That's why I was so excited about this because I would love to get a guy with upside like that, that late in the draft, your final fifth round pick. And what would he bring corner wise? Is he, he's a nickel, right? That's where he would play probably.
0: I think he's a boundary guy, even though his side really? says he, he, yeah, his side says he's a, uh, um, uh, probably an inside slot guy, but normally you want those guys to defend the run. And I wouldn't say Phillips is that. So for me, it looks like Harris is probably the slot guy. Really? Um, as, as like a safety nickel slot, and I would put Phillips at the boundary because he doesn't really want to tackle that much in the former receiver. It makes sense. Um, so and he's got good ball skills. So you can allow him to run deep, even though he doesn't have the the, the deep speed. He can stay with the guy because of those that ball tracking. For me, now they may switch it up, but. They've switched it up before and ended up with Arquez Benard inside, and many people thought, like, Drake Kirkpatrick, kind could end up being a safety or an inside guy, and they haven't given him that opportunity. So they may do what they want. But for me, I think Phillips is your backup boundary that could replace Kavari Russell, and I think Harris is your backup slot that could replace Josh Shaw.
2: That's interesting. That's interesting. Well, either way, I, I like both picks. I didn't know a lot, and I, I'm glad to hear that you couldn't find much on Harris because I couldn't either. And so,
0: yeah, you won't unless you have like access to uh, different websites that are, you can sign up for, and you can get small twenty two. You really won't get much. Gotcha, gotcha,
2: gotcha. One one guy that I think a lot of Bengals fans were aware of, and a lot of people just paying attention to the quarterback position was uh, the Bengals' very next pick. Uh, they had to wait out the sixth round and uh, got, had three picks in the seventh round. The first one, Logan Woodside, the quarterback out of Toledo. A lot of people in, in that watch quarterbacks and evaluate them say that this was a dark horse, that this was a guy that uh, they were higher on than, than other people. And Because let's be honest, not many people watch Toledo football. So Logan Woodside, let us know the good and the bad of the Bengals' newest quarterback.
0: And if I can start, I think it is key that they didn't have a sixth rounder because once the fifth round starts, your board gets a little funky sometimes for teams where you start to have an eye on, is this guy going to get drafted and we're not going to get a chance to sign him as a, as a free agent? Um, should we draft this guy so that we can make sure, should we secure him? And I think some of that may have happened in the fifth round. I also think not having a six put that into the fifth round, where if you had a couple six round picks that like they normally do with compensatory and things like that, you may wait to take a Devonte Harris or Darius Phillips. Um, so seventh round comes now and they somehow managed to keep all 11 picks when I think everyone agreed that 11 guys aren't going to make the roster. So for me, I thought they spent three straight picks on practice squad guys, starting with Logan Woodside, even though I really liked him. And I think we talked about him a few times if they go into the day three of uh, at quarterback. Um, The Patriots showed him a lot of attention. They ended up drafting someone else instead of Woodside. I thought that was interesting. Um, But for me, Woodside out of Toledo understands his offense. Quick Release, quick decisions, accurate decisions. Um, Even when things break down on that first three, he knows where the next and third guy should be. He he moves to it quickly and gets the ball out of his hands very fast. He's very accurate. Throws with great anticipation. But his arm is very below average. I mean, I I think it's barely above a camp arm. Um, He's going to have to get stronger, a lot stronger with it. Uh, I think he's tough in the pocket, will keep trying to fight through sacks and, and arm tackles and try and move around and find that next target. A lot of the things he does, you like. You wish he had a much stronger arm, and at six one, you wish he was a little bit taller. He may have some Bruce Gradkowski in him, another Toledo guy that was scrappy in the pocket, didn't have a great arm, but found a way to keep the ball moving and, and be a productive backup. Logan Woodside may be that, but I think a year on the practice squad, try and get him stronger, try and get his mechanics better, clean everything up to where he can get the maximum arm strength out of him. Uh, and maybe he's your backup in here.
2: You're telling me he's not going to unseat Andy Dalton week one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he might.
2: <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Who the hell is Rod Taylor, the offensive lineman from Mississippi? Is he the tackle of the future?
0: That's him. They found him. <laughs> They're, it's their, they hidden gem. I don't know if you hear my baby. I might start over again. Um, well, Rob Taylor, I didn't watch him before the draft. I, when they made the pick, I said, okay, he wasn't on my radar. I thought there was a few offensive linemen still there uh, that I would have picked or have been interested in. So I go on, I, I watch Rob Taylor. He played right tackle for Ole Miss. Um, he's kind of got a bad body, even for an NFL player. He's heavy, and he <laughs> uh, he's got long arms, which is good. That's about all the positives I can honestly say. He doesn't play hard all the time. He looks like he doesn't care half the time. And maybe that's part of what coaches, you know, I can unlock more potential. I can get him working. I can get him in shape. Uh, but his hands are bad. His his, his pad level is bad. He's a little stiff. I, I don't think he finishes plays or latches on very well. Um, I, don't, I don't think he makes the roster either, either. I think he's a practice squad guy, and maybe he develops, and in two years he can help you.
2: I'm looking at pictures of Rod Taylor. <laughs> And I don't know if there's one where his, his like belly button isn't showing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. Yeah.
2: He's. And this isn't yeah, like mid '90s way. where the where the shirts are halfway down. Like this isn't the Ezekiel Elliott. This is this is just him being having a big ass stomach. <laughs> that's mean. Yeah, and, and got that's good mean.
0: for an offensive of lineman, but it also shows that he's you know he's not some specimen or anything.
2: Yeah. Exactly. All right. So he's not going to make the team. I don't think so. All right, let's get one more in with Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. The final pick is, well, a wide receiver. The Bengals love their late-round wide receivers. They get one in Auden Tate, a wide receiver from Florida State. Uh, first thing that stood out to me is he's very, very tall. Uh, what does Tate do well? What does he struggle with?
0: He is very tall, and that's that's a very po- very good positive. <laughs> he's 6'5", nearly 230, long arms. Um <sighs> With that, obviously, comes catch radius, uh, physicality, where a corner really won't knock you off your spot. Uh, He can't move. He's not fast. He tested like a one-percentile athlete for receiver. Normally, the tall, big guys will test a little bit worse, but he tested even worse than those guys. And Honestly, it puts him in a, a category with, A lot of guys that never ever do anything in the nfl now he may be fun in preseason though because he'll have bad corners on him lesser athletes on him i wouldn't be surprised if he caught a couple touchdowns in preseason but he's not going to separate i don't think he's a really good route runner at this point uh he's 20 years old came out as an underclassman probably was a a, a bad decision on his part um he's a red zone threat though because of that size but I, i i wonder if that's even a a specialized role in the nfl anymore if you're the fourth fifth sixth receiver and honestly he's probably the fifth or sixth if he makes the team you have to play special teams i don't see him doing that i don't see him succeeding in any role on special teams i think if you're going to keep a guy just to put him in in the red zone things already have green and eifert john ross scored 17 touchdowns last year he's a threat in the red zone uh, i don't think Auden Tate is that guy that you just bring in and throw him a fade pass. You throw those David Green, right? You throw those to Tyler Reifer. So for me, I find it very hard to believe he beats out Cody Core, as a special teamer, even though he doesn't catch a pass, I guess, on offense he did not last year. <laughs> I think yeah. the battle is against er- Erickson, and if Erickson can be your return man, if he is, Erickson's on the team. Even if he's your part return man, which I could definitely see, and they like Erickson. He knows what he's doing on yeah. offense. He can help them out. Um, I don't think Tate makes the team at all. I, I think he's a practice squad guy, and to be honest, they've burned a lot of seventh-round picks on receivers that really don't do anything for them. Or, and it's been a long time since they've had a TJ or some data, obviously.
2: Yeah, and I think that was it. They were like, oh, we can do this all the time, and it well, it hasn't worked out. There's been so many seventh-round picks. He's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic, and I think that, fair or foul, last thing for you, Joe, this draft this year, not flashy, solid is the word. Um, above average, but you know, just safe is, is another word that I'm trying to think of adjectives people have used. Those are the two I think I've seen the most: the solid and safe. Going with yeah. that compared to, uh, go ahead.
0: No, I was just gonna say I agree. I would say there is upside in like Jefferson and Brown, and maybe a Phillips surprises you as a return man. So there is some upside picks, but I agree with you. They didn't go and say, hey, here's our quarterback, there we go, guys. They didn't come out and say, you know, we're taking a tackle, we're taking back-to-back offensive linemen, or we're really addressing, you know, linebacker early, or, you know, they waited till their last pick on day two. So I would agree. They didn't go out of their way or make any splashes. I think they took everyone where they were pretty much projected to go, probably besides Mark Walton.
2: And And so with that – It's solid, it's safe. I look at last year, it was flashy. They went skill players, John Ross with the ninth pick. Then they get Joe Mixon, 48th overall. They get a couple pass rushers. Like Last year it seemed flashy, this year safe. Is there a scenario now where you look at this roster, and I don't think anyone knows it up and down media-wise since you've watched the film and all the guys that are on the team now from this draft, and then all the guys that are going to be on the team or project to be on the team in 2018. Is it going to balance each other out? How much better are they now? Obviously, John Ross didn't play last year. Tyler Eifert didn't really play last year. Get those guys back as well. It just a, a quick gut reaction, gut feeling to how much improved they'll be compared to the rest of the league after the draft.
0: And I tried to add Cordy Glenn in this evaluation too because you did lose some draft capital. You gave it up for Cordy Glenn, which obviously could be a very good player at left tackle for them. So overall, they improved their team. It's but with the Bengals, always you come back to that sophomore draft class. And the, what was it two years ago? What did they take a year ago? You know, it's John Ross. They got nothing out of William Jackson two years ago. They got nothing out of his rookie year. So you kind of forget about those classes. Ryan Glasgow could turn into a solid contributor. I mean, more than what he is. And you're like, man, we don't need an tackle anymore. We're getting good play out of him. Josh Malone may be a big, fast guy. They drafted him at 20 years old. He may be your fourth receiver. And you're like, you know what? We don't need LaFell anymore. We've got a guy that can play. Um, there's a lot of picks where Jordan Willis could end up being another edge rusher in the in the mold of Boston. Well, you got two stud edge guys, ed guys. So you look at it, and it's always the previous draft class, and can those guys take that next step in year two and become what? Are they just going to be career solid players? Can they be contributors for the guys that didn't contribute? I and mean, Can they be special? Cornerstone-type guys? Is Nixon going to be the guy on your offense that you lean on for the next five years? Is John Ross going to be who he was in college? Does Josh Malone take that step? Does, does Jordan Willis end up being another edge guy? So, if if those guys develop, that's why the team gets better. I think Price, obviously, instant starter, upgrade over Bodine. He makes your team better. But is it good enough to really make an offensive line, which was one of the worst in the league last year, to be a, a top half? I think you still have big questions at right guard, right tackle that could derail your offense completely. And if if it's a way out there giving up pressures every four pass protection plays, then you're in trouble. And if Hopkins can't stay healthy and or plays like he did last year, which is just okay, um, that could give you trouble. If it's Redman and he ends up not being a, a better athlete than what he's shown and he gets beaten by speed at athletic guys, you're in trouble. So there's there's issues still. And uh, it's going to be development on the last draft class, I think. And if those guys are there and they hit the, hit the ground running, the team could be much better.
2: He's Joe Goodberry. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. I know you have draft grades. What else you got coming up for the athletic? I'm sure you have a, a ton that I missed as well.
0: Right now, writing on free safety looks in the NFL. Uh, taking a second-round safety was more than just getting a free safety. I think it was also to change the way the defense operates. And, and it, I, don't, I think Bates helps linebacker as much as he helps safety. And I'm looking, watching the Super Bowl game. In the Super Bowl, the Eagles and the Patriots played with three safeties on the field for 84% of the game. Both of them did. You watch it, you're like, man, they – one guy's playing slot corner. One guy's playing linebacker. Chung was playing linebacker and slot corner for the Patriots. Malcolm Jenkins playing linebacker and, and slot corner. Um, that's that's where it's going. That's how you get speed on the field. That's how you get the ability to cover on the field. Uh, the Bengals don't have that other cover linebacker. If, if Bates can be a free safety for you, It gives you flexibility with Iloka and Sean Williams that I think could really make the defense better, and they've secured this defensive line through the last two draft class. Um, If that back half and that linebacker unit changes because of Jesse Bates, it could be a big boost for this defense.
2: Joe, as always, man, I appreciate the time. Really good stuff. Thanks for coming on as much as possible, and uh, hopefully we're talking about more than like six or seven wins in 2018. That would be a lot of fun.
0: I don't think we can do that again. Let's have a good year.
2: Yeah, I hope so. Thanks, Joe. All right, Jim. Really good stuff there from Joe Goodberry. I know I mentioned my interview, and uh, I will get to that with Bengals third-round pick Sam Hubbard, but it's a long podcast, a lot for you to digest. So digest it. You'll hear from Sam Hubbard that interview tomorrow on the podcast. Like I said... Check out LockedOnBengals.com because right now my thoughts on all 11 draft picks, there's stats, there's highlights, there's instant reaction, there's so much. You can get to know them. The fifth round picks. You can get to know Mark Walton. You can see how accurate I was with my 10 prospects to watch. You can get to know Jesse Bates. Get to know Sam Hubbard even more until tomorrow's podcast. Maybe Malik Jefferson. Thank you guys so much for following along during draft season. It's been a lot of fun. Nowhere to go from here but up right seven and nine hopefully they can flip that around and get to the playoffs we'll dive into that tomorrow um dave lapham on the podcast tomorrow along with sam hubbard hard to beat that huh joe goodberry then hubbard and lap i'm james rapine thank you so much for listening to the lockdown bengal's podcast